Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. On DAB+, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. The Women's World Cup Show. It's a really, really good finish. I love goals like that. On TalkSport 2. Hello, hello. This is the Women's World Cup Daily Show on TalkSport 2. I'm Faker Ruthers. So Spain will face Sweden in the first semi-final. Can England book their place in the other? We'll hear from Lionesses manager Serena Wiegmann on how preparations for their quarter-final tie against Colombia are going. It's a powerful team and they really have some direct style of play too. We want to get to their front four quickly. Of course, we want to prevent that and we hope we'll be on the ball a lot. No Lauren James after her red card against Nigeria, but no problem, says goalkeeper Mary Earps. We've shown how versatile we are, how we adapt in tough moments, and we're going to have to do the same again tomorrow. It's a squad tournament, and Arsenal's Lotta Vuban Moy gives us some insight from those who've not featured in Australia so far. It is not just 11 players that go out there on the pitch, it is a full t- squad of 23. This is not just one person doing, doing the lift, heavy lifting here, it takes a village. We're building up to England's quarter-final clash with Colombia live on TalkSport 2 on Saturday morning. Loads to get through. Thanks for being with us. This is the Women's World Cup Daily Show on TalkSport 2. I'm Ellie Roebuck and you can listen to the Women's World Cup on TalkSport. Happy Friday, you lovely lot. How are you doing? Have you enjoyed all the exclusive content we've brought you the last couple of days? Today's quarterfinals as well were absolutely cracking. We'll look at them later. Uh, delighted to say that former Tottenham captain Jenna Scalacci is with me. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you, Faye. Good to be back. Yeah, did you enjoy those quarters? I did, yes, yeah. It, more shocks, more surprises. Well, yeah, we're getting the, the, the teams that uh, that are through are certainly turning it on after disappointing at some stages in this tournament. But we'll get into that in a second. And after two days off, we're finally back with you and ready to preview England's huge quarterfinal clash with Colombia. It's live on Talksport two tomorrow morning. It's an eleven thirty kickoff. Build up from eleven. The draw opening up for the Lionesses. We don't expect any game to be easy. It's just more like sticking to our process and just kind of remaining calm and controlled in those moments. Lauren James is sent off. England are down to 10 players with four minutes to go. This is just a split second and um, she will absolutely learn from this. Chloe Kelly from the spot to send England into the quarterfinals. 
she does! And then in the penalties, uh, yeah, we showed uh, that uh, we are ruthless. Whoever's next, we prepare like we do. Just a couple of days to recover and go again. Colombia are into the quarterfinals of the Women's World Cup for the first time in their history. They're going to be interesting. They're going to be a, a difficult opponent. They've obviously got some real key players that will try and stop. Yeah, if you want to be winners, then you've got to be open to taking whoever's in front of you. And it's Colombia in front of them after England beat Nigeria on Monday in that tense penalty shootout following a goalless draw. Lionesses forward Lauren James was sent off three minutes from normal time, a straight red for violent conduct. FIFA have now confirmed a two-match ban, meaning she'll miss the Colombia game tomorrow and the semi-finals should England win. And if they go all the way, she would potentially be available, therefore, for the final, which is a week on Sunday. Uh, manager Serena Wiegmann was asked about FIFA's decision earlier today. Well, that's a decision that's made. Of course, that's not up to me. Um, it's two games. That's a fact for us. And we respect that, uh, yeah, how do you say it? that, that, that um, punishment? I'm not sure if you used the right word. So we take it from here and we just hope we get through. Jenna, what are your thoughts on the ban? Was it appropriate? Should it have been more? I think to be expected, I think we can thank God that it's not a three-game ban. So if we do make that final, you've got a generational talent available to you. But um, no, I wasn't surprised by it, to be honest. I think, you know, it is classed as violent conduct and that there's been a lot of talk. The players have come out and they're getting around Lauren James and she will learn from this. And it's obviously the biggest mistake of her life. Luckily, they've survived that game now. Um, that's in the past now. Nothing they can do can change that. And they've got to look forward to tomorrow's game. Not to get ahead of ourselves, but <laughs> obviously she would be available if England to, were to make the final. A lot of football to be played before then, by the yeah. way. If it gets to that place, would you play her if you were Serena Wiegmann and and England get there or or would you use her as an impact sub bearing in mind she won't have played the two games before it's difficult isn't it but I think when you've got a player like Lauren James who can unlock you know those tight games she is that game changer for me I think you have to play her given the form that she's she's been building up to and and I think it also depends on the form of the players that are, that will play the next two matches leading into the final. But for me, I think when you've got one of your best players shining, you have to play them. Yeah, I agree with you. Talk Sports' Courtney Sweetman-Kirk sat down with Serena Wiegmann after her press conference at the Stadium Australia in Sydney to get more reaction to the ban and those preparations for Colombia. Have you had the moment to look around the stadium? What do you think of the pitch? And obviously it's a new surrounding for you guys. Yeah, it's a nice one, uh, a big one. Uh, the pitch looks really good, and of course, uh, there's a lot of history, uh, a lot of history in the stadium. So uh, we're privileged to play here tomorrow. In terms of you saying that it's a big stadium, it's going to be a fantastic atmosphere, and just as well, the probably pitch dimensions are they slightly different? Is that something you've had to think about? The size of the pitch, the dimensions of the pitch, are they slightly different, and something you've had to think about? No, I think it's just another stadium and a pitch is a pitch, but the pitch is really good and that's what we want, of course. So, no, we just approach uh, this game as any other game. And in terms of Colombia, they'll bring a lot of fans. The atmosphere will be really good. Is it something that you, know, you spoke about the girls with or is it, you know, enjoy the atmosphere more than anything? Yeah, of course, that's what we do. And yes, they have a very loud, um, uh, loud crowd. Uh, they are with lots of numbers also. Uh, but I hope tomorrow we have a lot of English uh, uh, English fans too in the stadium who will be uh, will make some noise too, but uh, I, I hope that we will really focus on the on the game of course, and uh, we just have to make sure our communication is right. We've got confirmation on Lauren James. Hopefully, for your sake, it's something you're not going to have to speak about now. 
Is that something that, you know, you're pleased just to put it to bed and for Lauren's sake as well, the fact that she knows it's two games and now she can get on with it and mentally for her, she can focus on getting back to the pitch? Yeah, well, she's she has been on the pitch all the time. Uh, of course, she can't be in the game tomorrow. Uh, we knew that, of course, straight after the game, when she got the red card, uh, then you at least have one game. So we started preparing the game, uh, knowing that she wouldn't be available. But now it's clear uh, how... Um, how many games she uh, she got, and um, yeah, we just hope that uh, that of course we hope that tomorrow we get a good result, because then uh, we get the opportunity to get her back in the in the tournament. And Colombia, maybe to some, have been a bit of a surprise package. What are you expecting from them, and what are their strengths? Yeah, they have done really well. Um, they uh, are very uh, together. That's what you see. Uh, it's a powerful team, and they really uh, have uh, some direct uh, style of play too. We want to get to their to their front four uh, quickly, and um, of course we want to prevent that. And we hope we'll be on the ball uh, a lot uh, and keep the ball good to uh, get into uh, their final third. So you keep an eye on the other games, but for you guys, it's just about what you do on the pitch, isn't it? And trying to get as, as far as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's just uh, we're f only focusing on the game tomorrow, but it's just nice to follow the other teams too when they play, because that's, that's also the beauty of a tournament. And is that the beauty of the women's game, maybe slightly different to the men's, that there is a culture of looking out for each other as well and trying to progress the women's game? Yeah, well, that's, that definitely comes with it, uh, that now you see so many countries who have improved so much. So the gap between the top countries and the countries who are still needed to develop uh, even, even more to, to get closer to the, to the top level, that's, that's what's happened now. And uh, we've seen in this tournament that it gets so close, and, but that changes lives and uh, that's what we really need. So, yeah, that's, um, that's a good thing about it. Yeah, it's a really good thing about it. Serena Vigman there speaking to our England reporter uh, out in Australia, Courtney Sweetman-Kirk. Um, Serena mentioned the Columbia fans are going to be noisy tomorrow. As a player, how much can the external noise in the stadium put you off? I think, you know, when you're building up during the warm-up, you kind of want to soak it in. But I think the minute you step on the football pitch, you block out that noise. Um, and, you know... That's what these players are trained to do. The minute they step foot on that pitch, that they will be fully focused on the match. So I don't expect that to to have too much impact on the lionesses at all going in. But that will definitely give the uh, Colombian players a little boost. Yeah, it certainly will. I mean, look, she spoke about them being powerful direct as well I've watched them a lot this tournament and they've been really really impressive physically strong as well how do England go about suppressing that style of play yeah I mean I, um, I expect a lot of ups and downs throughout the 90 minutes of this match I don't think it's going to be straightforward at all as you say they're very direct very physical but I think for England they've got to concentrate on their game plan not get dragged down into any physical battles not get into any silly challenges and just play their football I think as long as they have the ball and they keep possession look after it then they kind of stay away from those physical battles but it's going to be a really tough match I think they need a much improved performance than the Nigerian performance but I think you know when you step away from that game against Nigeria and you actually look back at it, the players have spoken of that confidence and that relief, but also uh, that they were happy with the way that they managed the game. You know, going down to 10 players when you're not playing the best and coming through it is a real positive for them and they're, and they're leaning towards that now. So they've got that going in. They know they need to improve. And if they want to be, you know, tasting that success of lifting a trophy, again, they've got to show those improved performances. But I think, as Serena said there, they've got to just focus on themselves and they've got enough quality there to, to come through. But this 
Colombian team, probably one of the best success stories of the tournament so far. It's not going to be easy at all. No, it really isn't. We'll discuss them in a, in a second. But the plan for no Lauren James, what do you, what change do you expect? Is it going to be a straight swap with Ella Toome back in or a formational shift? I think it would just be a straight swap. I think Toome will come back in and she was very quiet in the opening games um, and I think now it's her time to step up. I think she would have been frustrated sitting on the bench and now it's her time to turn that around. And, you know, you, when you're on the bench and a squad player, you've got to be ready for moments like this and I have no doubt she, she will be and the, the, the staff will be preparing her for it. What about a potential formation change? Because, you know, we saw both Lucy Bronze and Rachel Daly exploited with yeah. the space behind them playing in that wing-back formation and it worked against China, it did not work against Nigeria having watched Colombia play I can't see it working against Colombia yeah I know I've toyed with this whether she'll change back to the back four I I think she might stick with the back three and maybe Lucy Bronze and Daly are a little bit more disciplined when going forward so there's only one going you know if Bronze goes Daly's coming back Mm. because you need that cover to to cover those gaps and, and to read the play but for me I think again I think they'll focus on our strengths and that is when bronze is higher up the pitch. I know she got a bit exploited against Nigeria there, Mm. but then, you know, they would have ripped them clips to shreds and analysed the death out of that performance. So hopefully they'll be more wise to it. And I think maybe other teams are wise to it now. So if Serena was going to throw out a little surprise, she may revert back to a back four. But for me, I think, maybe sticking with the free centre-backs would be best. We shall see. We'll focus a little bit more on Colombia in a second as well. This is the Women's World Cup Daily Show on Talk Sport 2. You were hearing the thoughts of former Spurs captain Jenna Scalacci there. I'm Faye Carruthers. Coming up, we'll hear the thoughts of England goalkeeper Mary Earps ahead of this huge quarterfinal clash with Colombia live on Talk Sport 2 tomorrow. This is the Women's World Cup Daily Show on TalkSport 2. Don't forget the TalkSport Network is the place to be for all things Women's World Cup. We'll have live commentary from all of England's remaining matches, plus updates on other games throughout the tournament. Thanks for being with us. I'm Faker Rothers. Jenna Scalacci is with me as well. Whenever it's the day before an England game, as rights holders, TalkSport have the opportunity to bring you exclusive audio from inside the Lionesses' camp. England goalkeeper Mary Earps, who starred in the last 16 win over Nigeria, spoke to TalkSport's Courtney Sweetman-Kirk earlier, ahead of Saturday's quarter-final against Colombia. We know Colombia are going to bring numbers, so is that something you guys are looking forward to, going to thrive under, you know, having a bit of a, a toxic atmosphere maybe? Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I think, you know, Colombia are known for, for their, their heavy support um, and the atmosphere that they've created at games so far. And I think we got a little bit of a glimpse of that um, in, the, in the China game. Um, they had a lot of fans there. Uh, but I also know the English fans can give as good as they get. So I'm sure they'll be there in numbers and, and cheering us on and, and, and giving Colombia fans a run for their money. Definitely, there'll be a lot of St George's flags as well. Um, and obviously Colombia, look, there's earlier in the tournament, we know in, in terms of you know, strength and, and combativeness, they're up there with that. So, you know, for you guys, how are you going to deal with it? I, I think as a team, we, we can... Um, we can really compete with that in general I think we've shown how versatile we are how we adapt um, in tough moments um, and we're going to have to do the same again tomorrow um, that's what the World Cup demands you're playing um, in the creme de la creme the top competition in the world um, and you have to be able to yeah to perform at that level um, Colombia absolutely have their strengths and so do we so um, yeah hopefully it'll be a great game tomorrow night 
I have to ask you about LJ now. We know in terms of that ban, is it nice? Not nice, but the fact that it's done, you can sort of put it to bed now. She knows where she's at for her mental, you know, for her mental sake and for you guys, it's just about, you know, it's done now and getting going forward. Yeah, absolutely. I think you can definitely look at it like that to have that clarity kind of going into the game. Um, and to be honest, we're just really focused on the game tomorrow and, and, and trying to get the job done. It was interesting in the presser, I thought. There's been a lot of maybe criticism, but at the end of the day, you've only conceded one goal or tournament. You've won all your games. So do you think at times that's maybe you know, not fair criticism or is it the fact of where the women's game's going and there's more eyes on it now? To be honest, we had, I don't hear a lot of, a lot of the noise because... Um, yeah, I try and block a lot of it out, and I don't spend. I try and not spend too much time on social media while while I'm while I'm out here, so I can just be as focused as possible. Um, I understand, you know, people. The football is a game that is full of opinions, and and I, and I get it. But I think in general, you know, we're winning games. Um, we've earned the right to be in in the tournament this far, and we want to continue to stay in the tournament. <clears throat> so we have to continue to to keep earning those results um, but I think the exciting thing about it is I think there's more levels um, there's more to come from us I think we can dominate games better um, I think we can utilize the ball better at times so for me it's more of more of an exciting thing than than anything um, yeah so that's kind of how I view it and really quickly lastly I want to take you back to Nigeria for me the the body language of you guys to me at that penalty shoot I said you were going to win it for you as well some would say a main character energy that energy that you brought is that a moment obviously you don't want it to go to penalties ideally but for you to be a hero and goalkeepers don't always get that too much do they to be honest it's really weird like when I watch clips back like me and um, the goalkeeper coach Darren Ward we, we went through the clips and we went through like we analyse everything because we're always looking for you know ways that, that I can improve my game and I sometimes don't recognise myself on the pitch. I'm thinking, who is that girl? Like, I, d I don't, I don't recognise me. I sometimes feel like I've got an on the pitch and off the pitch persona a little bit, uh, you know, because I take my job so seriously and I just want to do my best for the team. And I'm just really, really in the moment. Uh, but to be honest, the way I go into it is just thinking, the odds aren't in my favour. Go give it everything you've got. Go give it every ounce of energy you've got for the team and, and let's kind of see where we end up. And I feel like we were really prepared going into it. Um, and I think that's what you're describing, the way that it came across. Um, but it, for me, it's just about leaving everything out there and giving it everything. And that's what I try to do. Yeah, she spoke, Mary Epps, there about coping under pressure as well. And uh, obviously no one wants to win the game from penalties. It's horrible. Um, but it, it is a quality that this England team have shown, a resilience. Yeah, definitely. And especially in that, match against Nigeria they had to dig deep they had to come together when they weren't playing the best football they've ever played probably the worst we've seen them play to be honest but they still come out they still survived that and then when they stepped up for those penalties they didn't look like they were going to lose them they looked very confident and I think when you've got someone like Mary Earps in goal she's such a presence in there and her mind games and you know doing her bit for the team you always felt like they were going to get through that through that um, test but I think when you're looking at England as a whole throughout the tournament defensively, they have been quite solid. Mm. Um, they've soaked up a lot of pressure, but only conceded one goal, which was a penalty. So from open play, they haven't actually conceded. So again, that's another positive. Yeah, and I think because we're used to seeing the fluidity of this England team, mm. you know, they're maybe unfairly being criticised in in some quarters. So it's quite important. She mentioned about not hearing noise, staying off socials. Um, is the criticism fair or, you know, are we maybe just holding them up far too high a standard? <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, obviously after the summer and the performances that they put in during the Euros, we kind of expected that to continue. But we're, we're not losing. They've not, they're not losing any matches here. They're just not performing they haven't hit that peak we thought at China 
it all looked fluid. It all looked like it clicked again. And then obviously with Nigeria, it's got it's taken a little step back. But they're playing against opponents that you know they're not coming up against week in week out. Um, so it's new tests every time, and they're so far coming through them. Um, and then tomorrow is going to be a huge, huge test again. And I think they they with in these World Cup matches, you've got to take it like. 20 minutes at a time almost mm. a different game plan for every 20 minutes every block to survive the the whole 90 minutes an extra time and, and if it does go to extra time and so far they, they've ticked every box but I think because the performances haven't been there that's where the criticism's coming from Yeah well this Colombia side definitely have the ability to take it to extra time or or, or penalties or indeed go on and win it um, they're ranked 25th in the world they've made their country so proud at this World Cup so far regardless of the outcome tomorrow they've made history making the quarterfinals for the first time ever uh, TalkSport's South American football expert joined Hawksby and Jacobs on TalkSport earlier in the week to give us a little bit more insight on the team they met 2015, uh, sorry, 2019. Uh, no, 2015, I was right the first time. Always stick with your first answer. <laughs> Usually the one to go with. When England won a narrow victory 2-1, which I think is probably the way that most people think it will, it will pan out again. It's been a fabulous story for, for, for Colombia because outside of Brazil, South America has done very, very little in the Women's World Cup. Uh, hardly been any victories. And Colombia only ha ever had one victory before that, which was from 2015 when they beat France. It was a famous victory. So in the first two games of this tournament, they'd already won more games in this tournament than they'd ever won in the history of the tournament before. Uh, and on and on they go. It's tough on them, you know. It's tough on the Colombian population. Got to get up very, very early. I mean, the uh, the uh, the game before the Jamaica game was what three o'clock in the morning their time. Oh, the England man. game on Saturday five thirty in the in the morning their time, and it's tough on me. A couple of hours later, I'm feeling it, you know, from from uh, burning the candle at, at, at both ends. But they're really loving the ride, especially after the men um, uh, amazingly failed to qualify for for Qatar. Uh, I've seen this build over the last 20 years. I'm, I remember being in Colombia 20 years ago and being really amazed by the amount of women's football being played because mm. it's quite a socially conservative country. And I was saying, why? What? what what's... And it was all to do with links with the United States and Colombia up the, 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 the north end of South America, uh, close cultural ties with Miami and so on. And the fact that, that women's football was so widespread popular in the United States had rendered it legitimate in, in Colombia. Um, so it, the, the, the seeds have been planted a fair while ago, um, but this group of players, and th th there's a fair few here who, who go back right to the to the World Cup of 2011 when they came over and, and were competitive, but didn't didn't manage to score a goal. Uh, and that group of players, they are real warriors because they have helped transform the sport in Colombia from being a pastime to being a profession. Uh and you can see that warrior spirit that they bring to the uh, they, they bring to the pitch, and they've made things easier for the next generation that's come along, like this eighteen-year-old sensation Linda Caicedo, who will worry the England defence mm. on on Saturday. England are favourites, I think, much more strength in depth in the squad, which which means something once you get to to this stage of the tournament. But Colombia, you can you can bet one thing: Colombia are going to leave it all out there on the field. It's hard to believe that Colombia uh, had only had one victory before this World Cup when you watch their performances at the moment, albeit that was a victory over Germany. It was quite incredible. But they are treading new ground here and they're going to fancy their chances. A hundred percent. They seem fearless to me. And obviously we've spoke about it before. I don't think the ranking 
means anything in this World Cup. We're seeing upsets every during every game. But they've got that fearlessness and they're going into it as the underdog. They're not expected to come out and beat England. So the pressure is on the Lionesses and not on them. And they're just, they're rising to every challenge that is coming up against them. Obviously, that win against Germany was incredible for them, for their nation. And now they're going to look to be the first ever South American team to make a semi-final. So it's not going to be easy at all. But they go into it full of confidence. They've got some key players, obviously, young Linda Casido, who's a phenomenal young player, probably their key key threat. So they do have their own threats, which the back line of England will have to take care of. Yeah, but. they're going to have to decide as well whether to play 18-year-old Anna Guzman, who uh, who was brilliant at, at yeah. left-back the other night because uh, Venegas, who scored the winner against Germany, uh, was suspended for that game. So that's a big decision. But, um, you know, Tim mentioned there that lots of Colombian players who've been in this side for, for many years now, as well as the youngsters that, that they have. But um, could that experience make a big difference? Yeah, I think it's it's quite a nice blend, isn't it? With the, you need that that experience in the team when you've got so many young players. So I think it's quite a nice blend, and obviously the young the young kids coming through are, are really shining. On the we've seen it with our own in Lauren James, and it's no different for the Columbia's um, star young players. It's a platform for them to shine, and they just seem so fearless. And the quality is through the roof and the sky's the limit for them. Yep, it certainly is. Uh, right, this is the Women's World Cup Daily Show on TalkSport 2. Faker Others and Jenna Scalacci with you. Coming up next, we'll round up all the action from the first two quarterfinals and catch you up on some of the headlines from the last few days. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync things just flow wherever you are tap the banner to go to monday.com everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist fitting into their schedule and of course the cost well better help can solve those problems it's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
You're listening to the Women's World Cup Daily Show on TalkSport 2 in association with Zero, small business accounting software and proud partner of the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023. TalkSport have live commentary of all England's remaining games across the network, including Saturday's quarterfinal against Colombia in Sydney. We kick off at 11am UK time. I'm Faker Others. Jenna Scalacci is with me, former Tottenham captain. So the quarterfinals kicked off earlier today with a mouthwatering clash between two European big hitters as Spain took on the Netherlands. A 4-0 loss to Japan in the group stages had raised serious questions about Spain, but they breezed past Switzerland with a 5-1 victory in the round of 16, leaving little doubt as to their quality. Meanwhile, the Netherlands came into the game unbeaten in the tournament so far. TalkSport's Jeff Peters was watching this one. It's finished. Spain 2, Netherlands 1. Such a brilliant game in front of 32,000 in Wellington. Spain had never got past the round of 16 before, and now they're in a semi-final. 19-year-old Barcelona winger Salma Parayulo won it in the second half of extra time with a calm, composed left foot finish from 10 yards in off the far post. She's a huge talent and showed her class here off the bench. In the 90 minutes, Spain dominated but wasted so many great chances. The Netherlands had a penalty awarded, then overturned, before Spain went ahead through a penalty with 10 to play, converted by Mariona Caldante. Stefane van der Kraat went from handball villain to goal hero, levelling in stoppage time with a thumping drive from just inside the box. Lynette Berenstein missed two big chances to win it for the Dutch in extra time before Pariulo sent Spain through. Fabulous drama once again at the Women's World Cup. It's finished after extra time. Spain 2, Netherlands 1. This was such a cracking game, wasn't it, Jenna? And what a tournament Spain are having. They seem to be really growing into it. Yeah, absolutely. They haven't. It hasn't been plain sailing for them at all. Obviously, the defeat against Japan raised a few eyebrows, but they've come back stronger. thought they were dom- quite dominant in this match against Netherlands for up to probably 80 minutes. I actually thought they could have had it wrapped up by half-time if mm. it weren't for being a bit wasteful in the penalty box and obviously some unreal saves by Van Domseller again. Um, but yeah, I think it, Netherlands took them to extra time um, and then the young teenager popped up with the winner. But I think Netherlands were brave in that extra time. They actually committed bodies. They were going for it. They, they wanted to wrap it up and then they were caught on the counter, which is always the risk. But um, yeah, Spain come out, um, I think over the, the 90 minutes and extra time, they probably were the better team, but they need to be a, a lot more clinical couple of question marks over some penalty decisions yeah it was a bit wild wasn't it some of the decisions I, I thought the VIR today has just thrown off I mean a penalty was given for we've seen it in the England match that wasn't given mm. in the England match so it's all over the shop but yeah I think some question marks yeah definitely from me I I, I didn't feel like what yeah I, I I've started to not understand what, what a pen is and what isn't now. I think we've all just given up on the laws of the game, haven't yeah. we? Uh, interpreted way too many different ways in this tournament, that's for sure. Gutting for the Netherlands, though. I mean, they, they, they'd look pretty strong going mm. into the game. What, what, what was it that was missing for them? I just think they Spain were just dominant for eight, for 80 minutes of the game. And I think Spain, grew, they, they grew into it, but a bit too late. Obviously, they're... I thought Van was glad for Van der Glaat to get, you know, conceding the penalty and then going on pushing up as a defender and scoring that fantastic equaliser in extra time. But I just think they left it a bit too late to can't start also, playing. Can't also have your arm out in that position. No, no, of course not. Where no, you as a are. defender, it's um, 
mind-blowing. Oh, yeah, I, I don't know what she was doing there. Mm. Anyway, uh, earlier on down in Auckland, the second quarter final saw Japan face Sweden on paper, little to separate the two sides. Both teams had only conceded one goal in the competition up to this point. Japan was still the only team remaining in the competition to have won the World Cup before and the only side to have won all their games coming into the last eight. Victory for Sweden, though, meant a team who've never won the tournament before could lift the trophy. I was covering this one on TalkSport. It finished Japan 1, Sweden 2 in the end, and Sweden knew exactly how to nullify Japan's threats, smothered them out in the first half. Amanda Illestead with the opening goal from close range on half an hour, the new Arsenal signing, of course. Uh, that's four goals for her in the tournament so far now. They doubled their lead early in the second half, a VAR review showing a handball from Fuka Nagano and Philippa Angledahl scored the, scored the resulting penalty. Uh, Japan just woke up in the closing stages, Jenna. They threw everything at Sweden. Rico Weki missed a penalty hitting the crossbar. June Endo's free kick smashed off the bar as well. And you just thought it wasn't Japan's day. But then the substitute Honoka Hayashi, Hayashi even, uh, pulled one back three minutes before the end of normal time and they pushed throughout the ten minutes of injury time. But it was too little too late. Yeah, I mean first half from Japan was really uncharacteristic. We didn't see them doing any of you know that they're so good when they're playing on the front foot, when they're putting bodies up in the in the final third, and they did none of that. Um, Sweden got their game plan spot on in that first half. They're so dangerous from the wide areas, and I think those balls in the Japanese defenders just couldn't deal with it. I think they'll be really disappointed with Illestead's goal. Mm. Just uh, it was so scrappy the defending; they just couldn't clear the first phase. It's like pinball, fa- wasn't oh, it? <laughs> it was. Yeah, it was hectic in there, and ultimately got punished. But yeah, they didn't start playing until sixty minutes. I thought the substitutions that come on really made the impact. Mm. You know, um, June Endo on the bench in the first half. I was just that, about to if, say that feels like that was a big error, big mistake. Because she's been so influential for this team, and you saw the minute she stepped foot on the pitch, she was a spark and it ignited the team. So yeah, I think they'll look back and maybe regret that decision that she didn't start being such an influential player for them. But ultimately, they they started playing far too late. I mean, Sweden had to you know, really dig deep for that. I thought first half they were phenomenal, best I've seen them play. Mm. And then they had to dig deep. They had to defend because Japan were throwing everything in and they and they came out in the end. But It's like they panic, isn't it, Sweden, towards yeah. the end of a game when they're under pressure and they know they're so close. It's almost like they just yeah. go, oh, hang on a minute, we're not ready yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think, you know, we saw Japan doing what they do best, mm. getting the bodies up one, two, touching and around that box. And it's unplayable at times. But yeah, I think Sweden deserved it. But so heartbreaking for, for that Japanese team. They were absolutely devastated in tears after. And, oh, no. you know, a missed penalty. The, the crossbar, the posts, oh. they they definitely had their opportunities yep. and it's all what-ifs. It wasn't, ifs and it wasn't their day, was it? it um, day. You know, it opens it up yet again for, for, for England because mm-hmm. I thought if England were to make it through to the final Japan you know potentially as a as a, as a final opponent would yeah. be really really tricky um, but the exciting thing from a neutrals taking my England hat off but also you know with an England slant on it mm-hmm. jauntily put to the side <laughs> perhaps it does mean that we're going to have a new winner of the Women's World Cup because you know yeah. none of the current well you've got Spain and Sweden playing each other on on Tuesday um France Australia England Colombia never won it before so we will have a new champion yeah i mean it, it's exciting isn't it and obviously shows that the 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 space that that women's football is in now that all the favorites are are at home which is crazy you'd never think that 
before the start of the tournament. No, absolutely. So Spain, Sweden is that first semi-final. It's on Tuesday. Kickoff is at nine o'clock UK time in the morning. We'll bring you live commentary of it on TalkSport too. There'll be up- updates as well on TalkSport. Now, it's been a, a few days really since we've had a show. So uh, while there's been a break from the games, the action off the pitch certainly didn't stop. So in case you missed it, we thought it was time to fill you in on uh, what's been in the headlines. Chloe Kelly has once again stolen them after it was revealed her penalty kick against Nigeria was faster than any goal scored in the Premier League last season. West Ham's Syed Benrahma held the record after scoring a goal with a 66.6 miles per hour kick last season, but Kelly's shot reached a top speed of 69. I mean, she is no stranger to moments of pressure, is she? And that penalty was something special. Yeah, I mean, big big time player, big moment. She looks so confident stepping up, the deep breath, taking it in and yeah, she's a player for the big moment, steals the headlines it seems. Yeah, every single time, <laughs> doesn't she? Uh, Serena Wiegmann's now the only female coach remaining at the Women's World Cup going into the last eight, that was as well and the, at the press conference she was asked about how important it was that more female coaches were supported at the top levels of the game. Well, I'm not really busy with my journey at the moment. I'm really busy with the game for tomorrow with, the, with my team. Um, well, the question about, about male and female coaches, of course, what we hope is to get more female football coaches in, in, uh, in the top, at top level and that the balance gets better than it is right now. And what I said uh, last week too, that of course, male are very uh, welcome too. There's lots of male who have done a very good job in the women's game. But if the balance is better, then also uh, that will inspire other women to also start coaching and hopefully... Uh, then they get more and more coaches involved. So Serena Wiegmann's already achieved so much in in her career, not least by making history with the Lionesses last summer. How important is she in terms of paving the way for other female coaches? Yeah, she's huge. You know, she's she's done it all, hasn't she, as a player as well as a coach. And I think for young coaches coming through, having someone like Serena Wiegmann to look up to, seeing her every time they turn a TV on, it's really inspiring. And she's one of the most successful coaches in the world. And the fact that she's a female is is huge. Yeah, it really is. Uh, Nigeria's World Cup journey might have ended following their defeat to England, but the team are still determined to continue their fight to secure a fair pay agreement. And following that loss on Monday, the Players' Union FIFPro have announced that they're committed to helping Nigeria secure a settlement regarding bonus payments and other expenses. And this is the great thing about the Women's World Cup. You take these kind of issues onto a a world stage and something starts to get done. So fingers crossed uh, for the Nigerian national team. Uh, you're listening to the Women's World Cup Daily Show on TalkSport 2. I'm Faker Others. Jenna Scalacci's with me. Uh, coming up, we're going to hear more from the England campers. England prepare to face Colombia for a place in the semi-finals. Listening to the Women's World Cup Daily Show in association with Zero, small business accounting software and proud partner of England Women, Dream Bigger. If you miss this episode live or duck in halfway through, don't worry, we're also available on podcast. Plenty of places you can download us. First, head to the TalkSport app to find us. Faker Others and Jenna Scalacci with you. 
So we spent most of the pod previewing this huge game tomorrow between England and Colombia. And if you thought we were done, you would be wrong. One thing that's been said for this England team, especially during the Euros last summer and into this World Cup, is that despite not everyone getting as much playing time as they would like, the camaraderie in this squad is absolutely elite. Everyone still has a role, even if that's not being in the starting 11. One of those players who's yet to step on the pitch, but soaking up every minute still at this World Cup, is Arsenal defender Lotta Vuban Moy, who sat down with TalkSport's Courtney Sweetman-Kirk yesterday. Lotta, thank you for joining TalkSport. First of all, most importantly, how are you feeling? I'm good, thanks, Courtney. Um, good to be here chatting with you. Um, it's quite nice to uh, be chatting to someone other than my teammates. <laughs> um, not against my teammates, more so um, we're so focused, so um, yeah, intense in our preparation. Um, we're ready and I'm feeling good. And in terms of, I heard a vicious rumour, you had a bit of family time. Um, so have you got any family over here, friends that you were able to speak to and get a bit of time away from the girls? Yeah, I'm so lucky. My mum and dad are here for the whole whole tournament. Um, it's, yeah, super fortunate to be able to share this journey with them. And yeah, likewise, all the other families, really. Um, we are one big, happy family. <laughs> and talk to me about that, though. Is it gaining a little bit perspective when you try and step out of the bubble for you know, five or so minutes with your family because obviously it's a high-pressure environment and it's got to be, I suppose, the light and shade. Yes, you've got the pressure and you've got the focus, but you also need the downtime as well, don't you? Yeah, I mean, uh, as a footballer, you'd, a previous footballer, you'd, you'd know like the, the balance is so important. Um, I speak about it so often, um, about how important it is to, to have focus off the pitch but also on the pitch to help you there. Um, to have family around, uh, to be able to relax, step away. We're here in Terrigal by the coast. Um, it's beautiful. We're in our own little bubble, away from the noise. Um, it is uh, the perfect formula, really. And off the pitch, I've heard you're a little bit of an artist. So <laughs> is that the stuff that you like to do and, and relax when you can? Yeah, uh, I really enjoy drawing, um, doodling, colouring in. Like I'm, I'm a um, yeah, my mind goes wild in those in those situations and. Um, yeah, it's my sort of yeah time to breathe, time to relax, um, and like I said, with with balance, uh, it helps me so much when I step onto the pitch, knowing that I'm able to be myself off the pitch. And what, I'm going to take you back to football now, back to that Nigeria game. For me, I felt like I'd played. Um, it was obviously stressful, you know, for you from your perspective. How was it watching that unfold? It was intense. Um, I mean, I think it's a testament to the competitiveness at this World Cup so far. Um, rankings mean nothing. Um, you step out onto the pitch and you're going to face a competitive team regardless. And uh, for the viewers at home, that's what we want. Like, we wanted this to, to be a competitive tournament in general. Um, uh, and that is what it's been really. Um, in terms of my experiences of that Nigeria game, um, I was pretty chill to be honest. Um, I trust my team, I trust um, every decision that they make and um, ultimately we came out on top and uh, it's another win in the bag and we're on to a quarter-final and a World Cup. You can't really um, complain in that sense. From a, a mentality perspective for you personally, how difficult is that, the fact that you can't or necessarily haven't been on the pitch and influenced in that way. So, you know, your perspective of being a good teammate and Beth, has, I've spoken to Beth in this room and she was saying in the presser, you know, in terms of, look, everyone's involved, everyone plays a part whether you're on the pitch or not. But, you know, how difficult is that for you? Yeah, I mean, uh, we're all top, top players here and uh, we all wish, uh, we all um, want to be able to control as much as we can control and, 
ultimately, uh, when you step out onto the pitch, you're able to control your performances. Um, for those players that aren't playing it, then you st take a step back and you're like, all right, what ca then can I control? And you look at the training pitch, you look at the energy that you can bring there. Um, that is equally as important. Um, we have probably three times more training days uh, as we do match days. Um, so the impact that you can then have there is um, underestimated, in my opinion, uh, particularly in terms of tournament football when it comes to um, blowouts, keeping players ready. Um, I think quite a lot of the, the impact that you'll see on the pitches uh, or during match days come from the subs that come on. They're the energy. And uh, ultimately, if you're not doing well in training, if you're not... Um, yeah, performing in the blowouts, then you're not going to be ready when it comes to match day. So um, that's just a sort of um, yeah perspective in terms of the way that training days are important. And ultimately, um, it is not just 11 players that go out there on the pitch. It is um, a full squad of 23 plus staff plus everyone at home. Like this is not just uh, one person doing doing the lift heavy lifting here and. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's it takes a village. <laughs> and in terms of that, that the way that you've spoken about that, uh, I think will open a lot of eyes. And does that come from the fact that you know, is it a bit of yourself? Is it outside influence? Is it the fact that the team have fostered such a great environment that you all feel a part of it? What what is it exactly? I think it's credit to the team. Um, I've mentioned it already, we're a family. Uh, and like in most families, there are um, certain people that play certain roles and um, you've you've got to live out to, to those values that you have as a player, as a person. And, and ultimately, it then comes to looking at the bigger picture. You know, like you step back, there's a puzzle piece for every single person, every single situation, um, game, training session. It all comes together. And um, hopefully, um, when we then go into this quarter-final, um, there'll be another pu few puzzle pieces in there and, um, yeah, we'll continue adding to it. But, um, yeah, ultimately, this this um, this project uh, is not just one single person doing it. You've mentioned the quarter-final, Colombia. They're going to be tough opponents and, and they bring a lot of support with them as well. So what are you guys expecting from them? What's the analysis shown so far? They're a hard-working team. Um, they're competitive. I think um, any fan that has been in the stadium uh, alongside those Colombian fans will know that they are loud, that they're going to bring energy. Um, so I think what we're expecting on the pitch is likewise what fans are going to expect in the stadium. It's going to be loud, it's going to be energetic and um, it's going to be a World Cup quarter-final um, and that is going to bring everything that um, I think people expect and more. Jenna, it's really important, isn't it, that all the players, including those who aren't getting any minutes on the pitch competitively, are actually still on board with the vision and keeping morale high because they're just as important. Yeah, 100%. It's a, it's a squad effort, but it, it must be so difficult to, to just be a squad player. But, you know, they're in the squad for a reason and Serena would have picked players that, you know, add something to the team and are there for the, the players and it's so important that they are ready to step up if anything can happen you know we saw against Nigeria the, the red cards anything can happen so they have to be ready and that says a lot about their mindset they've got to be focused and yeah it's a difficult role to play but they're there for a reason and as long as they remember that and they're there to boost up their teammates that's the most important thing well bethany england experienced that at the euros mm -hmm. herself last summer uh totally unused but obviously made the 
the move from Chelsea to, to Tottenham in order to try and get selected for, for the World Cup, edged herself to the front of the pecking order in terms of substitutions that Serena Wiegmann's used at this World Cup and has already helped her side, scoring one of the penalties in that shootout against Nigeria. Uh, she was the player up for yesterday's press conference and said she recognises you have to bide your time and play your part in the team, even if it is off the pitch. Obviously, I was in that situation last summer where I didn't play and it was tough. Um, but for me, this tournament has been very much different and it's been an amazing feeling and a very proud moment for me to have been able to have stepped onto the pitch for my national team in a major tournament. And I think it's important that I remember having this conversation with some of the girls the other day that you think it's the end of the world because you've not played your part, but you're all playing your part. And that's exactly what I had to learn from myself last year was that it might seem at the time like it's really difficult, but it's it really is worth it. And if you keep persevering and pushing, good things come out of it. And I think it's important to recognise that whether you do play or you don't, every single person in this team matters just as much because without them, the training standards wouldn't be as high or everything else that we need to approach every game. So I think... It's just a case of making sure that whatever mindset and whatever role you're in, you're just you're ready to be there for the team. And I think it's also always nice when you see your, your mates getting an opportunity to showcase what they can do to the world as well. But I can appreciate it's just as hard for the ones that don't. So as long as everyone's together, which we are, we're a really tight-knit group. So it's just as good for everyone who does or doesn't get on the pitch. I mean, I think we probably could have expected Bethany England maybe not to get any minutes. Has she deserved more playing time, do you think? I think just given the way the squad is going, I, I definitely think I would have liked to see her a lot earlier in the Nigeria game. Um, she's definitely proven her quality, proven her worth. She's taken the risk. She's left Chelsea her comfort zone. She's gone to Tottenham and in a struggle inside that were facing relegation, she's only really been playing permanently since January and to finish third top goals in the WCL that's no mean feat that's it's quite incredible so yeah for me might be a little bit biased but I feel like she deserves her place now she's had to be patient and like she said in her in her interview she's taken the she's taken the risk and, and now she's getting the rewards yeah well that was with your Spurs bias on <laughs> are you going to put an England bias in with this final question I have for you can I get a prediction for Saturday's oh, match no, against Colombia. I'm going to go 2-1 England. Nice. Let's see, Jenna Scalacci. That might come back to haunt you, but I really <laughs> hope not. Uh, thank you to Jenna Scalacci, Courtney Sweetman-Kirk, Serena Wiegman, Mary Earps, Tim Vickery, lots of Uben Moy, Jeff Peters, Bethany England, producers Maya and Uma, and of course, all of you as ever for listening. Don't forget, if you miss any of the shows live, you can download the Women's World Cup show via the TalkSport app. Our next show is Saturday, 11pm on TalkSport 2, where we'll be discussing all the fallout from England versus Colombia. Also, we're available on podcast earlier on in the day as well if you want to download us then. Next here on TalkSport 2, my sporting life, Boris Becker.